In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. And this is Marla Tabaka. Thanks so much for joining me on this fabulous Monday. We have a good show for you here today. I hope you're ready for it. We're going to talk about failure today and how to have a good failure, a good fail. Imagine going to work and picking up the phone to this. Hi, I've just received notice that the Attorney General's office has commenced a formal action against you by... Wow, would that phone call change your life as an entrepreneur or not? Well, it did forever change the life of Richard Keith Latman, founder and then CEO of Microworks, a technology company that Latman dreamt would provide affordable and educational computers to those less fortunate. Latman and his business were thrown into the center of a formal investigation led by the state of Washington's attorney general. And this was a legal action that would ultimately result in enormous fines, the dissolution of his company, a personal bankruptcy, a divorce, and of course, severe depression. But today, Latman is the CEO and co-founder of iMagic Lab, a software company focused on the auto industry, and of Letman Interactive. He's got a few other things in the works as well, including his book, The Good Fail, Entrepreneurial Lessons from the Rise and Fall of Microworks. And I talked with Keith just last week because we are working on a story for my column over at Inc. Magazine, Inc.com. And, you know, the first thing that jumped out for me in reading his book was what a genius he is at seeing opportunities. And we're going to talk about that in the article at Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen tobacco. And today we're going to focus on some of the <laughs> tips that he's got in his book and how to achieve a good fail. So I would very much like to welcome to the show, Keith Latman. Thanks for being with us. Well, hello. Nice to talk with you again. Yeah, absolutely, Keith. And I, I have to, uh, repeat what I told you when we, when we chatted last week, which was so delightful that I have to just tell our audience that, you know, I picked up your book the morning that we were scheduled to chat and, and I, I just received so many such books and, uh, all of them are wonderful in their own way, but I simply don't have the time to, to read through them. So I grabbed your book to go to the coffee house for a few minutes and just familiarize myself with your work. And I ended up being there for two and a half hours 
hours reading the book cover to cover because it really <laughs> captured me. And um, just some amazing, amazing stories in here. A story of incredible strength and endurance and brilliance, actually. And, um, you know, just one of the things, as I said, that stood out for me was your ability to really see that big picture and always find the next best opportunity. And Keith, this show is all about million dollar mindset, you know, always having the ability to to bounce back and see what's next. Can you begin by sharing with our audience a little bit of your story and and what you did to maintain that mindset? And I, I know we all have our ups and downs during a crisis and, and during difficult times, but can you give us some tips on how in the world you were able to continue to keep your eyes open to that big picture and what was next? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, there's so many people throughout this country, especially in these economic times, that, that find themselves faced with similar, although probably not as dramatic cases as I had, uh, where you wake up in the morning, you've lost everything that you think you had. In some cases, you never really had it, but in a lot of cases, you had it and you lost it. Right. And, and how do you get up and how do you... How do you get yourself, dust off yourself, and get back to work on, on, on pursuing your dreams? And really, for me, the only secret I've ever had, and it's really not a secret, but the only secret I've ever had is to, is to I found a way to detach myself from the environment that which I'm in. It's not, it's not an out-of-body experience, but it almost mm-hmm. seems like it. Because you, I get up to 50,000 feet, as I'm fond of saying, which is probably just about three inches taller than I normally am. <laughs> and I look down at the circumstance. I look down at the situation and I say, if I wasn't involved, if I wasn't there, what chess move would I make? What, you know, if you, I used the analogy last time we were there about, about rolling that marble through the puzzle. And we've all done that with the two wheels on the side. But we're, you know, we're looking at that from the top. Uh, if you actually look at that from inside that maze or try to do any maze, and we joke that mice can find cheese through a maze, but I bet humans couldn't. And right. so we need to find a way to get up top, look down, look at where the possible exits and entrance strategies are, and then execute to that, all the while continuing to look. And I think a lot of us are blinded. I think a lot of us, and certainly I was in my earlier part of my life. And then I'm so focused on success. I'm so focused on achieving my vision, my dreams, that I... I bypass the review process that you need to do on a continuous basis from the top. Mm. That was an important learning for you. Absolutely. Gosh, Keith, take us back to, to the, um, the beginning for, for a minute or so. Uh, you were the CEO at Microworks with an incredible vision and mission. And you get this phone call giving you the heads up, giving you this alert that was about to change your life. What, uh, what happened after that call? Well, after you stop crying, you mean? Um, oh, gosh, you you yeah. get that. I mean, basically, the call was life as you know it is over. Yeah. Because everybody that's ever been in an action of the government, and I don't care whether you're talking about a, an IRS audit or whether you're talking about a speeding ticket, but anybody who's ever been involved with the government knows that the government's going to pursue what it identifies. And so in this case, the government identified, and they were correct, that we were late in shipping our products. But I knew that the minute that that announcement happened, the minute that that lawsuit was filed, Microsoft would never have another sale, and that uh, business as we knew it was over. 
So you sit there, and literally when you're done crying, and when you're done with the immediate depression that happens when you feel like everything's been wiped away, you really only have two choices, one of which is to do something drastically wrong, uh, which would be to hurt yourself or to you know go into a, a fit of depression that lasts forever. The other one is to get up to 50,000 feet, look down, analyze your options, deal with the problems, and then move your life forward. And, and it took me a long time to learn to do that. I mean, I certainly, after that call, I was in, as the book says, I was in a pretty, pretty distinct state of depression to the point where I actually took a weapon out of my drawer and sat thinking about how was I going to go home and talk to my children? How was I going to tell my young boy that, you know, everything I've been talking about and professing and everything that he's seen in the media was all over? Uh, and it, it was a it was a very dramatic time, and it did take me a while to get out of it. There's no question. I don't think you recover from that immediately. The, the key is that eventually I did get back up on that ladder, and I did take that first step. And you know, we always joke about one step in front of the other, but literally to get back up on that ladder and look down, you're going to need to take one step at a time. And so I I was able to get one step at a time, and and hopefully found a niche market in the in the in the software space, and was able to exploit that well and and continue growing. Wow. And that takes such such courage and strength. It does. Because, you know, even though I believe we're brought into this this world in pure optimism and feeling happy about everything, I mean, we're nurtured and taken care of in most cases, we tend to, as we develop and grow and learn from, from some of the cruel lessons that life can offer, you know, we tend to be very negative uh, when things like this happen. And it seems easier just to sit in that negativity and dwell in in that uh, that mood and it takes a lot to dust yourself off and get up to 50,000 feet. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I've watched, I'm a huge basketball fan. I've watched a lot of Michael Jordan in the day. And, and you know, Michael Jordan down by 10 points with 30 seconds left was running that court full steam. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what happened with me when I was completely down, when I was completely ruled out by literally the media ruled me out. My friends and family ruled me out. Obviously, my ex-wife ruled me out. Everybody ruled me out as a failure at that moment. And the easier path would have been to accept that label and continue moving. As a matter of fact, look, to write this book required me to open up the old wounds that many people that were around me never knew existed. Wow. And yet, uh, yeah, I still took that risk. And I'll tell you, I got a nine-page letter from a lady in Duluth last week who told me basically that my book was the difference between her getting up in the morning and not after she read it. And that, that one letter was worth any amount of pain I've had over the last 12 years for any other reason, yeah. just simply to help and motivate. And you know, when we did the low-cost computers, when Microworks you know, was doing its vision, we really wanted to level the economic playing field and help kids get computing power that otherwise were priced out of the market. Well, when I failed, the reason and the real will to get back up now I had a real lesson to teach. Now I had a different lesson, which was that I, I could actually go out and tell people that your hope, no matter what's happened to you in life, no matter what cards you were dealt, that there's still continued hope and there's still the ability to prosper regardless of the odds. I don't care whether you're the horse in last place. If you run hard and you work ethically and you work hard, you're going to get somewhere. 
Yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you for that. And boy, yeah, that a letter like that is uh, is worth it all. And I'm I'm glad that you share that mindset. We have uh, just a few seconds until break, so I want to make sure and tell everyone that uh, if you are an entrepreneur and you don't have an assistant, that could lead you to a failure. So go on over to Ink Magazine, Ink dot com slash author slash Marla and tobacco and see today's piece on why you need an assistant and uh, some good tips from Lee Miltier on how to train that assistant so that you can be free doing the things that an entrepreneur needs to do to grow your company. So go on over to Inc.com today and we will be back with you here with Keith Latman in just a few minutes. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Live Friday Night Cap Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight with Christy and Laura on Toginet.com. Broadcasting from their scrappy kitchen in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They've got nothing better to do than riff with their favorite Brooklyn-based independent vendors, artists, bands, bartenders, foodies, weirdos, and news stories. Featuring the live studio audience. Betty Rehab and the Gaybors. Sex and dating commentary with the impersonal. The unknown political biased man. And people who kind of know stuff. Stream on after your long week. Brooklyn's variety show of madcap intellectualism. Friday Nightcap Radio with Lauren Christie. 10 to midnight Eastern on Toginet.com. Radio like you've never seen. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Toginet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And thanks for being here today. We are here with Keith Latman, author of The Good Fail, Entrepreneurial Lessons from the Rise and Fall of Microworks, where Latman tells his story and explains why failure is a necessary stepping stone to success. And he calls that the good fail. And this is the 
process of risk-taking and stumbling towards success in order to better your business. So thanks again for being here with us, Keith. You know, after um, after MicroWorks, you went on to to uh, land some really prestigious jobs at, at some fabulous companies. Tell us a little bit about that piece of your journey. Do you, do you call it a job if you don't last longer than a month? Is it still a job? Um, yeah, well, no, there's no question that when I when I got out of Microsoft, when Microsoft was done, you know, my name was in the media in Seattle in the in the newspaper daily, and yeah. it was a daily chronology. And so you couldn't find work in Seattle because, of course, you can't write on a resume. I will check New York, check the Seattle Times for my local re- reference. But so I, I went to San Francisco, and, and a lot of the venture capitalists thought that my experience base was, was incredibly helpful for them. And, and they would place me at a bunch of firms, and I would do amazing until somebody realized what a liability I could have been with that background. Uh, and so a lot of jobs in, in one year, so many that some jobs I didn't even start. I'd get hired with an employment contract, and they'd send me a check with, please don't show up, immediately following. Mm-hmm. So it was really a rough time. Um, I think... To a certain degree, that was a, that was a great eye opener. I think if I had failed, and I had gone right to another job and done really well, I don't think I would have learned anything. Mm. I think I wouldn't have taken away anything. I would have said, "Oh, that was a business that failed." Blah blah blah. And I'm, I'm looking at me. I'm doing great. Uh, the fact that I hit rock bottom, the fact that I literally could not, I remember one time digging in a, in, a, in a Honda Odyssey minivan that was about to be repossessed, looking for change to buy my son milk. Um, the fact that I hit that low, the fact that the Salvation Army showed up at my ex-wife's house to drop off Christmas gifts, the fact that, and that there's nothing wrong with Salvation Army, there's nothing wrong with people that take the Christmas gifts, but it, it, it from, uh, it's a far fall from an executive yeah. that keynoted Tom Dexon was on Fox News being told he's the next Internet billionaire six months earlier. And so that, that fall, that hit, uh, I think is what was required for me to get back up and and do what I had to do. And you know, as you as you mentioned, there's a lot of steps in the book that are about how not to fail, and some of them are obvious, like you know, have good focus and have a good attitude. But there's some in there that are really not you know transparently obvious, and 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 those are I think really valuable. Mm. So let's talk about some of those that are not transparently obvious. The first one I'd like to to address is something that I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs who who sell products, uh, product based businesses, fall into the trap of growing too fast too soon, and they're not ready. Like MicroWorks was not ready for um, the the popularity contest that they won after being in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, you've got to, you've got to, there's actually two or three steps in that 19 steps that apply to what you just referenced. But the one clearly is you've got to prepare for success as much as you prepare for failure. We all talk often about you know, what would happen if I, if I can't sell it or what would happen if I can't deliver it or what would happen if I, if I have trouble here or trouble there. We don't often talk about what would happen if people are lining up out the door to buy it, whatever mm-hmm. it is you're selling. And, and I think planning for success, planning for failure, Learning to accept no for an answer, which I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs think about. You know, mm-hmm. if you can't deliver a product within your quality of service, you need to say no every time. I don't care what your bottom line looks like because you can't unwind the clock and get back your reputation, but you can get back money. 
And so there are some some, some pretty basic tenets that in there that I think are important. And, you know, Reed Hoffman of LinkedIn and a lot of people are, prof- are proponents of my next theory, which is you launch early and you launch fast. Because mm-hmm. if you wait for your product or your service or whatever you're doing to be perfect, it will never happen. You will never get to perfection. So the marketplace defines perfection, not the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur provides ideas, and the marketplace assists you in the execution. And I think those are things that people don't often think about when they're starting a business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they don't. And and another one um, that you talk about in your book that, that uh, I think many business owners will find fascinating is build it, then sell it. You know, developing that, that exit strategy early on. Tell us about that. Well, entrepreneurs aren't managers, and, no. and so you know, by by very nature, you know, to have a million dollar mindset means that perhaps you want to achieve that goal. You want to get and build and and cash in and enjoy your life, and yet there are there are people that are wonderful managers. As a matter of fact, I've got a guy who runs now my automotive CRM unit day to day, which I'm rarely involved with. His name's Tom Harsha, and he just does a fantastic job of managing the growth, projecting for the various different uh, possibilities that could happen to the business. But it's not entrepreneurial. And clearly, I'd be bored, and as most entrepreneurs would, in actually maintaining that on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about exit strategy? Are you, are you good going there, Keith? I'm just going anywhere, wherever you want to go. I've, with, what I've been through, with what I've been through in my life, we can talk about the Padres. I don't really care. Whatever you want to do. Well, I, I um, am actually asking this on, on behalf of many of my clients, and I worked with two in particular this morning, uh, two business partners who have this amazing business that they're building. I mean, it's just, and they are doing so well in it, and we talked exit strategy. And, you know, how does a business who's approaching the million-dollar mark um, begin to even, because this is not something they did, um, begin to even think about the possibilities for their exit strategy. What are all of the possibilities? Oh, wow. How much, how long, how much time do we have? Okay. Um, what are some of the possibilities right, that are more go. common? <laughs> I mean, the first thing, again, everything with me, and, and I, I feel like, I, uh, like I feel I'm bouncing it back to you, but define the word exit for me, because to me, Exit doesn't mean cash out necessarily. Right, right. It doesn't. Exit. It can mean growing right. to that next level and expansion. Right. Or, or it could mean, or it could mean just you know taking the the reoccurring cash flow from that business and allowing it to organically grow and stepping right. back and going and enjoying your life. You can exit a situation in multiple different ways. Usually, I exit it by going down, but most people want to try to exit it by going up. And I think I think the important strategy for exiting. I mean, certainly you can sell it. But selling it requires you to do a number of things, one of which is making sure the business can operate without you. Because if the business can't operate without you, it's very difficult to sell it, especially if it's a small business. Um, and, to, and if you're the brain trust, if you're the man that does everything or the woman that does it all, that's a very difficult business to sell. So you have to engineer that exit strategy early on to make sure that the people and the components are in place so that that business can continue to operate without you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, again, I think a lot of people that are very successful don't don't even think about it. I mean, we just watched a, a wonderful transition at Apple Computer when Steve Jobs passed away. We rest in peace. But he groomed Tim Cook for that role for years prior to that, and and had a successful unit around him ready to go in the event that he had to had to go somewhere. 
And I think that entrepreneurs don't often hire people that are smarter than they are, but I think we should. And you want to surround yourself with people that are that are able to take over in the event you don't want to or in the event you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, that's one of the benefits of working with coaches and mentors, because that's something we make sure our clients do. It's very important to surround yourself with people who can access those answers probably even better and faster than you can. Right. Well, yeah, but you guys, you guys are the coaches and mentors. The funny part about coaches and mentors, and that's really what we're doing right now on the, on the mm-hmm. phone, on the radio. But what coaches and mentors do is live at the 50,000 foot level looking down. And, and so for folks that aren't good necessarily doing it themselves, and let me tell you, there are very few people that are actually really good at that. The coaches and mentors are invaluable because they allow you to have those eyes in the sky without necessarily having to take your eye off your ball. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's an important, an important lesson a lot of people don't learn because they don't think they can afford it or they think they can't afford it. But, you know, if the return on investment is greater than the cost, you certainly can afford it. Yeah, yeah, most certainly. Well, good, good. That's That sort of uh, puts us at that 50,000 feet and looking at exit strategies and realizing it doesn't mean buying or going, you know, public or, or whatever. There are just so many different things to look at. And it's based on what your dream and your long term vision is and what your financial needs and goals are. So good. Well, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. and there's a, and, but there's a lot of exit strategies, right? There's leveraged buyouts. There's there's partial sales. There's you know there's so many different ways to achieve a goal as long as we've identified what the goal is. And you know one of the things that we talked about in the book is you know, knowing what business you're in, and it's the same with goals. You know, you're, if you own a bowling alley, you're not in the bowling alley business. You're in the what do we want to do tonight business, and that's very different than what most people perceive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point, good point. Talk to me a little bit about the terminology that you use in your book. Uh, and You say to surround yourself with hunters, not farmers. Tell us what that means. First of all, let me apologize to farmers. I'm getting in trouble around the country oh, for saying no. that phrase. And I, 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 you know, I believe in farming, and I love, uh, love the people yeah. that work the land. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. All, all I'm saying with this, and by the way, I, I don't own a gun, and I'm not a hunter either. So all I'm saying is that People that are willing to look down the barrel and take a shot are a different breed than people that want to till the land, plant the flower, or plant the seeds, water carefully, you know, and fertilize it naturally, and then watch it grow. Those are different people. And when you're in a young business and you're you're moving quickly, you're trying to achieve a goal before other people try to achieve the same goal, or you've got competition in the marketplace, you need people to take measured risk. And that measured risk to me is called a hunter. They're willing to not measure the stick 50 times before they cut it. They measure it once. They take their best shot. And sometimes they're going to miss. And, but if they miss, we're going to know quickly. We're going to reload, readjust our target, and shoot again. And in a young business or in any business for that matter, I think that ability to do it on a measured basis far outweighs the long-term plan and grow. And, you know, in today's day and age, things move so quickly. By the time a farmer has those crops ready, often somebody else has created a, a better, more more digestible product, and it, so it's hard to do it the old-fashioned way. So, surrounding yourself with people who who think on their feet, act quickly, and uh, don't mull it over a thousand times before. But as we're saying that, we're going to go into break in about thirty seconds. I'm wondering if there isn't a place in a business for 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 the farmers who who really access their information and and analyze it and assess it over and over to make sure that we're making the right financial moves and such. No. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. Manage growth. 
is very important. Yeah. And we talked about that in the beginning. There's a difference between managers and entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we are here with Richard Keith Latman, author of The Good Fail, and we'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. We're here today learning lots of good stuff from author of The Good Fail, Richard Keith Latman. And uh, if you are up for a dose of inspiration, motivation, fabulous insights and tips, and just a, a really... Um, interesting story i have to say oh my goodness this man you have gone through the ringer um go ahead and pick up a copy of this book the good fail and uh, i'm going to quote something from the back of the book I, I i love that you have these um insights about business successes and such and and one of my very very favorite 
leaders uh, is Henry Ford. And I didn't know this about him. And it's helpful to know these kinds of things. Although Ford ultimately revolutionized the automotive industry, he went broke five times during several unsuccessful business ventures before founding the Ford Motor Company. And uh, doesn't knowing that the great leaders of our times also had their struggles, you know, help you to persevere and uh, and keep moving forward, boy. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it's not just Ford. I mean, Disney was fired for being no imagination and had no good ideas. (laughs) And, and, you know, Edison, Edison was actually, as a child, Edison was told he was too stupid to learn anything. Um, So... You know, this, everybody, arguably one of the greatest presidents in our time, Abraham Lincoln, not my time, but certainly in our in our country's history. Yeah. But Abraham Lincoln went, went to war as a captain, was demoted to a private. And then when he was discharged from the military, he started and closed several businesses, lost a few elections before he became president and became a great leader. So, oh uh, you know, the history of failure goes all the way through from the, you know, the Wright brothers to Winston Churchill to Jerry Seinfeld to Lucille Ball. You name it. A lot of the people that we all consider to be great visionaries and leaders, I mean, look, even Bill Gates, his first company, everybody thinks that Microsoft was founded in that Harvard dorm room. Truth is, it wasn't. He founded a company called Traffo Data out of that Harvard dorm room, and he dropped out of Harvard to start that company, not Microsoft. And then later, he and Paul Allen got together and did Microsoft, but their first company was a failure. So it's just very interesting that, you know, we always hear the stories after the fact, and it always looks rosy, but there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of pain to get where they are. Yeah, yeah, probably, excuse me, probably the majority. It's, it's, I don't, I, I personally don't know anyone who found success easy. <laughs> well, you know, the truth is, if you did find success easy, I bet that person's a jerk. Mm. Um, if, if things come too easy, you don't ever get humble, and you don't know what it's like to be humble. And yeah. I think that a lot of the people that we just can't relate to are those people that have not been humble. I mean, it's very rare you get a guy like Warren Buffett, who, despite being one of the richest men in the world, is still living in a 2,700-square-foot home in his hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, and, and who is not leaving his fortune to his children. I think that's well, amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, hopefully I won't have any money. I'm, I'm intending to spend every dollar I have before yes. I die. But I've, I've, I've told the kids that, you know, they, they should expect that they're not going to have very much because they need to they need to find their own route. They need to find yeah. their own successes and not, not live on the coattails of others. And I think it's funny because we, we hire people all the time for the various companies. And, and during the hiring process, we don't do the silly questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? We ask people what they want out of life. We, we ask them who they are, and a lot of people, a lot, really think that success is going to be handed to them, that they're going to walk into a role, execute really well, and get wild success. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know a single person of all of my people that I've ever met that has gotten success that way. Mm-hmm. That it, it, you, you have to go the extra mile. You have to do the extra things. If you're a lawyer, you've got to bill a thousand hours. If you're a doctor, you've got to, you know, come up with a new treatment or a new cancer treatment. You've got to do something extraordinary to be very, very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. And so, Keith, let me ask you, if you don't mind, a, a bit of a personal question. I mean, you lay it all sure. out in the book, so I don't think you'll mind. Um, no. I think our listeners would like to know, today, looking at your life from 50,000 feet, are you happy? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been more happy. 
Yeah. I'll tell you that the last eight years, nine years have been just pure bliss. Um, and not because of economic circumstance. Uh, you know, certainly having a little security is not a bad thing. But uh, the real happiness comes from the ability to overcome and from the ability to raise three amazing, beautiful children and from the ability to, um, to speak to you and hopefully motivate one person out in your audience. I mean, those, for me, those are the gifts. It's not uh, how many, how many iBooks or how many MacBooks I have. It's really how many lives you can touch. And, and starting with my three children and moving on from there, it, that's an amazing life. Mm, that is so good to hear. And I'll, I'll let our listeners go to the book for the entire story. But uh, it was rather amazing to read that you even had to fight for your right to play an active role in your children's life. And uh, when you were when you were down and out, boy, that had to be a <laughs> Yeah, talk about talk about a pile on. Right. I mean, oh. absolutely. And, you know, it wasn't just one pylon. I mean, your, your readers will read this. This is a roller coaster. Don't, please do not buy this book thinking it's a simple one-drop book. I mean, this is uh, every time I got up, I got kicked again. And, and a lot of those kicks were my own fault. But the fact is, the kicks still hurt just the same. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, being a part of my children's lives, you know, we moved from California to Maryland simply and solely for that reason. And it, it is a, it's just an amazing gift to be able to be here and do what I'm doing. And as a 50% dad now and having my kids every other week, I, I couldn't ask for more. Mm-hmm. I'll bet. I'll bet. They are, they are lucky kids and you're a lucky dad. It's fabulous. So, so I, I, I have another question. Um, <laughs> what I was thinking when I was reading the book, you, you would go from job to job, as you said, if you could call it that, if you're not there for yeah. more than a month. Um, and, and these people would, would out you or they'd find out about your background online and then they decide, okay, you know, we don't, we don't want this guy on board. Um, how come the thought of just laying it all out in the very beginning before even being hired or I'm sure the thought occurred but why why didn't you follow that path sooner eventually you did but what well, kept you from doing it sooner in in the first job the first job I got when I left Seattle was a company called Core Metrics and the guy who hired me was given name of AT Andrew Trader Andrew Trader went on after Core Metrics to, uh, and Core Metrics was bought by IBM, but Andrew Trader went on to found a small, tiny little gaming company called Zynga, which uh, created Farmville, and he and Mark Pincus mm-hmm. created that, that wonderful company. Right. It, it, Andrew knew everything about my background. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't really hideable. It wasn't like I was faking the resume. It right. certainly wasn't the first thing that I talked about, but it wasn't. They wanted the experience base, and so there was no way to articulate or present the experience without articulating completely. And where the hidden, where, where I started to hide things a little bit was once I was hired by a founder. When I got into the company, I didn't try to popularize it. I didn't try to say, "Hey, you know, everybody, you know, here's my big failure. Come take pot shots at me." I, I, but you couldn't get the job without without telling them. It got to a point, though, that I ended up printing out all the articles and putting them on the table because I think it was the only way to deal with it. But I didn't think people would be so naive as to assume that um, they couldn't Google or they couldn't search and find any bit of information they wanted about me. And uh, the experience that they were hiring was exactly the experience that they ended up not wanting 25 days later. Mm-hmm. Um, so a very very difficult circumstance. I, you don't know where the right balance is, but the one thing you got to do is you got to feed your kids. And yeah. there's no question you've got to put food in those mouths. And so when you, when you, when you want to 
play down something because you think it's the way you keep the job. Nobody's ever been in that circumstance before. It's really difficult to understand mm-hmm. how to push forward. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst when kids are involved, especially. Yeah. Well, but but it's also the best, right? Because without mm-hmm. children, yeah, would I have worked so hard to get back? Right. Would I have? Would I have? You know, plowed forward just as my own, on my own volition. I could have become a drifter. You know, sold cars in community after community, and just kind of wisely, you know, had a decent life. But yeah. with with children involved and an example to to upright, I knew that it was only a matter of time until my kids said, "Hey, what's this deal, Dad? What happened at Microworks? You know, how come you didn't rebuild?" And so it was really important for me to get back up on that ladder. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I uh, have have lived that experience myself. My my kids' dad, my my husband, passed away when they were only eight years old, and I oh, often sorry. think about oh, it was it was so difficult, you know, being a single parent and explaining that loss to your children and everything. But again, I'm I'm of the same uh, mindset that that you are, Keith, because I don't know how strong I would have been if I didn't have to be strong for them. So it's a double edged right. sword, but. Wow, we are blessed. Well, you know, and children's bring, children bring more blessings than are a parent. I mean, I think a lot of parents, when things get difficult, find their children's needs to be less than enamored, less than enamoring, whatever the correct word is. They <laughs> find it to be challenging at best to both have the patience to deal with their children and have the patience to deal with their economic or financial difficulties. For right. me, it was exactly the opposite. The kids' difficulties allowed me to get out of my problems into their problems to help solve their mm-hmm. problems, which, by the way, were infinitely easier than solving my own, and allow me to just for a moment get out of that other world and into their world, which, as you know, children's world is innocent at birth and doesn't get much farther from that unless we corrupt them. And so my kids were beautiful, and they were great, and the big smiles on their faces, even when things were tough. You know, When that Salvation Army truck pulled up and they dropped off those toys, those mm-hmm. kids were the happiest kids in the world. And so seeing those big smiles and seeing it, it, it helped minimize the pain. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah. I think that we uh, blow their needs and desires so out of proportion as adults. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure they were happy. I mean, let's face it, kids like to play with the boxes that the toys come in. So. Well, we, but we all, but this is a good business lesson, though, because we also yeah. blow our needs out of the water. Right. I mean, if you've ever thought about starting a business, Never, I've never seen an entrepreneur put their own living expenses down on the line. I've never seen them say, okay, well, it's going to cost me $1 to produce the product. I can sell it for $2, and as long as I sell four, I'm break even. Well, no, you can't because you've got to pay yourself, right. and you've got to pay for your health care, and you've got to pay for your food. and you've got to pay. So you've got to look realistically at our needs. And I've seen many entrepreneurs go, well, my Ferrari will cost $1,000 a month, and my this will – again, it's – you need to have that sense of success, even at its most basic level, to feel good about your life and push forward. Let's not worry about getting the millionaire mindset until we've achieved the 100000 mindset, which we won't do until we get to the $10,000 mindset. You've got to grow slowly and get up that ladder slowly, and each pinnacle of success is really an important thing to celebrate. So important. And we are going into our final break and we are here with Keith Latman. So make sure to return. We're going to share some more success and uh, good fail tips when we return from this break.
unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Lori Hurley, the social networking navigator, helps you overcome your overwhelm online and makes social media easy. Every week, she shares the latest and greatest about social networking and welcomes industry experts and end users of different social media platforms to share their experiences moving their business forward online. Whether you are a Facebook fanatic or a lover of LinkedIn, Lori has you covered on all angles of social media, including Twitter, YouTube, blogging, Google+, and more. Lori shares her knowledge and love of educating others on all things social media with relevant material, engaging guests, and hot tips and techniques to help you soar down the social media highway. Join her every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Social Networking News Hour here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And I'd like to invite you all to join me tomorrow, Tuesday, the 3rd of July, on uh, the Million Dollar Mindset Tapping Podcast over at EFT Radio Online. If you're dealing or coping with failure and you'd like to thrive instead of cope, then the emotional freedom techniques is a, a way to certainly achieve that and to release the emotional burden connected to your, your past traumatic events and you, to your fears as well. And I have on a really exciting guest, one of our EFT masters, Tanya Prince, tomorrow. So please make sure and join me over at EFTRadioOnline.com tomorrow. And uh, I look forward to seeing you there. And today we're here with Keith Latman of The Good Fail, a wonderful book. Definitely recommend that. Uh, so Keith, let's, we're in our final segment here. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, my article over at Inc. today is about hiring assistants, but really hiring is hiring. We need to surround our, ourselves with, with strong people. And one of the tips that you cover in your book is that you're your own worst employee. Talk to us about that. Well, first, I'm, I'm upset that this EFT stuff wasn't around in 1999 <laughs> when I really needed it. 
You know, it would be much easier to discharge with your help than it would be to do it on my own. I'm just, just yeah, yeah. Out. Well, it was around. It just wasn't as popular as it is now. Well, and, uh, it's a little yeah. ridiculous that I didn't do it the hard way, and these people can do it easy. I mean, it's just crazy. But I'm not saying that it's easy. But um, yeah. this whole knowing what you're good at and knowing who you are, and it, it's really hard to be honest with yourself. I mean, it's hard in social situations. It's hard and you know, even what you're going to eat for dinner, whether you want the calorie content of that ice cream sundae you just ordered. But in <laughs> business, it's really pretty critical. It's really important that you realize what you bring to the table. And, and uh, the analogy I always make is the sandwich shop analogy because I think it's really good. Are you good at slicing the meat? Are you good at making the sandwich, ringing up the register, cleaning the bathroom? I mean, what are you good at? Because you're not good at it at all. And those things that you're not good at, you need to bring people in to help. And much like that 50,000-foot analogy where you know, we, we talked about using a coach, and, and I've never used a coach. I probably should have because that would have helped me get another pair of eyes. And, and so understanding where, you, where your value is and what you bring to the table is every bit as critical as, to success as anything else you do. It really is. And and placing yourself and your employees, you know, making sure that all of those employees are on the right seat, on the right bus, and that you're playing to their strengths at all times. It doesn't just uh, go for us, but for everybody on your team. Well, and, you know, employees at another dimension because very few of us are good at managing ourselves. And if you're not good at managing yourself, how do you think you're going to be at managing others? Right. And so when you start to bring those employees in, you better have your ducks in a row because those people are going to see your weaknesses very quickly. And they're going to identify those weaknesses as an impediment to their own career objectives. And that's going to be, it's going to be very difficult keeping and maintaining and growing a happy workforce that's also going to perform for you if they think their boss is weak. And Mm -hmm. so it's really important to have all those pieces together. An important point. Keith, have you ever had an advisory board? No. Unfortunately, I'm too big of a narcissist for that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that people should have an advisory board. It's much easier, as my mother says, it's much easier to preach to someone else what they should have than do it to yourself. I, I am the ultimate, and the way I look at myself is I am an entrepreneur. I am a terrible business person. I am a great discoverer of things that need to get done, and I now have a little bit of money to be able to hire people to execute that better. But an advisory board for me always was slowing me down where I had to go and and say to to a group of people, hey, this is what I want to do. And a lot of those people won't have intrinsically the same vision, which is why those kind of board of directors or advisory boards are great for companies that are already established. Uh, It becomes a little more challenging when you're trying to break a different kind of bread. Uh, It becomes a little harder. Hmm. That's an interesting insight. I've never. I'm heard giving of. you a counter. I'm giving you a counter viewpoint. I like everybody that. else would tell you. Everybody else would tell you get an advisory board right now. I'm just giving you a counter uh-huh. viewpoint here. I like that. I think that's a, another uh, another idea for another ink piece. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be calling you for for a quote. <laughs> <laughs> be happy. Be happy to do it anytime. As you, as you can tell from this show, I just love to hear my own voice. So if you just call me, I'll be happy to talk to you. <laughs> How fun. So so we have, you know, probably about seven or eight minutes left in the show. We've talked about knowing that you're your worst own employee and farmers, uh, farmers and hunters and build it and sell it and and being prepared for growth and for success as well as failure. What are a few other things that you'd like to make sure and, and get through to our listeners today? 
Well, how about the myth, the myth that there are obstacles in your way? How about ah. people, people who constantly say, well, I would do this, but, if. and, and, you know, there's, there's a great story, which I won't go because it's too long about a scoutmaster in the book. It's a little complicated, a little difficult to, to, to get through. But the truth is, you know, the things that are blocking your path are often just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Stop looking at them. Look for ways to move forward. And if you've got to go around something, go around it. Because you don't need to sit there and think about how you cure every obstacle. You need to continue forward motion to the ultimate goal. You know, and, I, and I've talked about being, you know, having the right vision, having the right focus. But there's another one that entrepreneurs sometimes forget, and that's to be sincere, to be real, to build businesses that have real tangible value. That you're not just building an easier way to set the shower water to 73 degrees, but you're actually building a better way to stop people from getting burned. And those are the kind of things that are important in our ultimate life. If you fail with a good, strong, sincere, moral cause, then the failure is a lot easier to deal with. Mm. That's food for thought. Yeah, and and I'll attest to that just from a coach's point of view, having coached, oh gosh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs over the year, that the ones with what I call a vision beyond the vision, so beyond the company, beyond wanting to be profitable and successful, but a bigger vision like like you have and like you certainly had with MicroWorts and bringing affordable computers into everyone's home, um, those are the people that I see succeed big. Those are the ones that I see really grow into their vision and beyond. It's amazing. Yeah, and, you know, the last one is that everybody has ideas, and you need to be a magnet for every idea you possibly can. I mean, when my kids were very, very young, and I mean four and five, and their language skills were immature and their emotional skills were not there yet, and even their their, their theories of how to, how to interpret data wasn't, weren't mature, I would often tell them to tell me how they'd make things better. And I'll never forget my son one time. I, he was sitting in a car seat in the back of my car, and, you know, those car seats were cumbersome and restrictive and mm. it's got a three-point harness and, and i said i turned around and i said to him i said how would you make that better and he just one word he was four years old he's one word he said i'd have velcro oh. and it was it was pretty amazing such a simple concept obviously it wouldn't restrain him but it was such a right. simple concept that he was in fact thinking about how to improve what had a pain point and entrepreneurs often a good friend of mine just started a, a law practice and he's focused his entire law practice on helping a certain type of woman. In this case, it's a woman whose husband has gone to prison and left her basically penniless. While he's getting, prison is certainly no panacea, but he's getting three squares a day and a roof over his head. She and the kids have nothing. Mm. No, way to, no way to make a living, no way to work, no way to go to a shelter, no way to do anything. Wow. And it, it, it's an important compass that he's solving a pain point if he gets wealthy in the process he deserved it if he doesn't get wealthy in the process he's got a tremendous a tremendous uh, amount of internal confidence that he can drive from his from his chosen profession and that that again as we talked about the the entire game of being successful i think we focused in america too much on money on money you can be a millionaire even if you don't have a million dollars simply by having that kind of an attitude and that kind of look at life Mm -hmm. 
And that's what the Million Dollar Mindset is all about. Absolutely. Wow, what an incredible business your your friend is pursuing. I, th- I didn't realize that that was a niche that was uh, even out there. I'd never given that thought. So yeah, there, there are, there are 140,000 women that wow. whose spouses are in prison with more than two children who last year reported an income of under $10,000. Oh my goodness! Okay, can it, does this guy have a website or a blog? We can plug <laughs> yeah, in here. Not yet. It's, com- it's coming. It's coming. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll get to that information. He's just started it. But and there are a number of charity groups with some amazing people throughout the country that have done that have done some work on behalf of this same population. And I'm sure we can slice and dice the world and come up with lots of needing any causes. But when you've got more than one child and you've got your spouse in prison, those children are going to be very difficult to get into the normal economic sphere of this country. And what happens is we continue to do that role where the economic plight of those people never, never improves for generations and generations. Mm. Wow. Yeah, definitely a worthy cause. And I'm going to look into that myself because I have other things I could offer So in ways of support. So that's exciting to know about. So, Keith, we are on our way out in about a minute and a half here. Um, tell audience what your latest uh, endeavor is that, that you are so excited about oh wow really i get a free prop that's kind oh, of cool yeah. um the latest endeavor if you've ever used instagram uh which is this wonderful uh photo app but it was just been bought by facebook and you can take pictures and you can upload it to your friends and you can send it to twitter and facebook and and literally it, it helps you make your pictures look better we're creating something called Life Clip, which would be as if the version 2.0 of Instagram was existed. It's it's a, a tremendous amount of fun. The pictures look great, and and we think it's a it's just an amazing amazing application. And it launches on August first, so we're excited. And where can we learn more? Well, you can go to LifeClip.com and sign up for a beta trial, which is L I F E. C-L-I-P dot com. And the beta trial comes out in about three weeks. So if, you, oh. if people go up and put their email address in there and they have an iPhone, they'll get a chance to download that app and, and play around with it in its early stage. Well, I'm going to do that right after the show. That sounds like so much fun. Keith, this has just been such a pleasure. It's so delightful speaking with you and uh, rubbing elbows with you here because, wow, you've achieved so much that so many of us aspire to. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and, and your, your insight with us on the Million Dollar Mindset. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Join me here next week, same time, same place. I look forward to seeing you here on TogiNet, and you can find me at Marla at MarlaTabaka.com. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka on TogiNet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and if you've always